just want to quickly introduce our guest speaker for today. Uh, we're going to conclude our retreat weekend with a, a special guest speaker, and we have the, the honor of being able to hear from Pastor Lowell Busman, who um, pastors here at Stadium Village Church, which means this is a very long day for him. So he's already had worship and probably did a lot of pastoral things already, and um, he's going to share God's word with us today. Uh, he's uh, been the pastor here. I think he started as an intern 2004, uh, started as moved to Minnesota in 2010. We were looking for um, a church to rent and came across this building and met Pastor Lowell and other, others at Stadium Village Church. Ever since then, for the past 10 years, I mean, they've been uh, nothing but supportive and encouraging uh, to me and to our church, uh, really coming together and partnering and really serving us by allowing us to use the facility and, and just going above and beyond in so many different ways. And uh, it's just been such a blessing having you know, people like Pastor Lowell and others at Stadium Village Church that we can actually, um, you know, partner together with. And, and uh, um, so I'm just so thankful that he can be a part of our service here today. Um, he's a, a man of God who has a huge heart for the campus, obviously, for the word of God, uh, for just the lost, and uh, just learn so many different things from him as we gather together sometimes to talk about different things and to pray. And, uh, so I'm just really thankful that he can be a part of our service here today. So if you'll join me in welcoming Pastor Lowell to the pulpit. Good to be here. Good to be here. And I'm, I'm bringing greetings from Stadium Village Church. <clears throat> and we meet at like 9.30 for education hour, and then we meet 11 o'clock. So it's been a joy working with Pastor Jung and, and others that I've gotten to know a little bit. And uh, looking across the crowd, I wish I'd gotten more of you more um, than I have in the past. Remember Nathan and I working on getting the drum set together and a lot of things have happened over the years kind of thing. So and seeing Pastor Jung's family grow up and, and, and that kind of thing too. So it's been a joy getting to know you. And um, so greetings from Stadium Bella Church and glad to be here, glad to be here this morning. And um, I admire this church in so many different ways. You've, you've got a heart for prayer. So I'm here early, often early in the morning and then I hear people coming into the back room and and praying from Covenant Life Church. And so it's awesome that you have a heart for prayer as well. We appreciate your work on work days when we help get the campus ready. And some of you people are incredibly awesome in helping get, get the church ready and that kind of thing too for, for the next season. Um, and I appreciate your heart for the gospel. You know, you people love the gospel and you love the lost. And so we have a lot of commonality in our goals um, as churches. So. Um, we're privileged to partner with you in, in kingdom work. Um, we're in a sermon series, and I'll, I'll just admit that I'm using what I preached last week at, at Stadium Village Church, and uh, with a little modification, but we started a sermon series called uh, The Character of Christ, and that's um, what's in the first sermon that we had, and um, today we had another sermon by somebody else. I didn't have to preach in the, in the Stadium Village um, service, a young man from our church uh, preached on the jealousy of God. And so that was a good sermon, too. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not preaching a sermon on humility because I think you're proud, okay? Get that straight. I, I don't think 
I'm not trying to admonish you, thinking, well, these people are probably going to correct them. That's not the point. The point is that humility, I think, is a key to following God. And humility, amazingly, is a characteristic of God. And what I first want to do is just talk a little bit about what science tells us about humility, okay, and just kind of give you an idea of what do, how many people here have heard of um, positive psychology? A few of us have. It, it's not some weird new age thing. It's, it's saying, hey, a lot of times psychology people get focused on what's wrong with you rather than helping you live well. It's solving a problem, right? I mean, that's what kind of positive psychology is. And one big deal is forgiveness, that they realize that in psychology that forgiving one another is, is a good thing for your well-being. Well, humility has a little been less popular in, in popular or a positive psychology. But um, I picked up a couple articles just from the world, not, not from a Christian perspective, just like, what about humility? And um, here's some habits of humble people. And this just one phrase started out here. To be humble is not to think less of oneself, but to think of oneself less. Okay? And um, a guy by the name of Jeff Ross wrote in Forbes magazine, 13 Habits of Humble People. So I thought, let's go through the, the, these 13 habits and see what they look like. So one is that they are situationally aware. And you probably know people that when they come into the room, they just take over without even thinking about who else is in the room. They just start talking, right? But then other people kind of walk into the room, and they kind of get a perception of what's going on in the room before they jump in and start talking. And, and they just, they're kind of humble. They kind of look at what other people are doing. Um, they re humble people tend to retain relationships. That they just don't come and drop you. They retain a relationship. They make difficult decisions with ease because they're, they're based on morals. They, they have principles they abide by, and therefore decisions kind of come easier. They put others first. That'd be a, a natural one you'd expect, that they, they will let you go first, or they'll ask you, and they'll put you first. Um, they listen. They actually want you to hear what you've got to say. They're curious. They might ask you questions about what, what do you do in life and that kind of thing. They speak their minds. Even though they're humble, they still will speak their minds. They'll, they'll say what they think as well. They take time to say thank you. They have an abundance mentality. In other words, they're not upset if you do well. That's, well, if you do well, then I won't get as much. They actually have a, this mentality that, hey, we can all do better. And therefore, they're not so um, tied up with competition. They start sentences with you rather than I. They accept feedback. They're, they're humble and they'll say, I will take correction. Um, they assume responsibility. And they don't mind asking for help. They says, I need something. I need help. <clears throat> and then one more article on studies on, on, on humility. And this is from D Davis and, and, and Hook, and it was in um, APS Observer, which is kind of a popular um, psychology science um, um, journal. And um, they did two things. They kind of tried to define humility, and then they talked about how to measure humility. Okay, so quick definition. This is not... From um, a biblical standpoint, this is just kind of science, okay? Humility involves an accurate view of oneself. 
Humility involves a stance that is other-oriented rather than self-focused. Here's the tricky part. How do you measure humility? If I ask you, are you humble? What are you going to say? Well, if you say I'm really humble, it sounds like you're proud of your humility, right? So how do you measure humility? Well, they did three things. They had self-reporting, asking you how humble do you think you are. And then they said, how do other people perceive you? Do they think you're humble? And then finally, um, they watch people. They actually video recorded people in a group setting and said, were you doing humble things? Were you kind of serving people and that kind of thing? So that's a way, three ways of kind of measuring humility. And then they came with some positive effects of humility. And these are just kind of suggestions. They're not scientifically proven. But they say people that are humble have better health. They're, there's less stress. They're, they're not so competitively oriented. Um, they strengthen relationships and social bonds because they think we, they think we-ness rather than me, it's we. And therefore, they do better at relationships. And here's the one that I found interesting, is that they say humble people, that humility aspect, can help kind of take out the wear and tear of competitiveness in, in your setting. So if you're a student or a grad student or in a professional setting, there's going to be aggressive people. In fact, you were probably aggressive in that you want to do well in life. Well, if you do well and you're competing with somebody else who's doing well, there's just kind of wear, even though you like each other, there's this kind of wear and tear on your relationships. And they say humility kind of takes away some of that wear and tear. And I thought about the Apostle Paul. And I think when we get to heaven and we meet the Apostle Paul, I think we're going to find him to be extremely aggressive and thinking, like when he was on earth, he says, you know, I do everything I can to save as many as I can. I, I am zealous for the gospel. I will do anything. I will become a Jew. I will become a Gentile. I'll do anything I can. I think there was a drivenness about Paul. But I think when you met him, you would find a humble man as well, that he would say, I'll put you first. Um, go, go ahead. I, I'm an apostle. I'm, I'm serving you. And therefore, there was this mixture of both being aggressive and hardworking, but at the same time, so like in Colossians 1.29, it says, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So he worked hard. But on the other hand, he says to the Thessalonians, just as a nursing mother um, cares for her children, so we cared for you because we love you so much and we were de delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So I think Paul had this ability to work hard and say, I will do everything I can to get, to get you to know the gospel and to know Christ. But at the same time, hey, I love you and I'll pray for you like crazy and I'll put you first and I'll serve you. Um, now, before I go into the Bible more, let's just pray because I want us to think about how can we be conformed to the image of Christ in terms of humility. And um, I need to work on it. I think everybody needs to work on becoming more like Christ. So let's pray that these words that we're going to hear and read will affect and get deep into us, okay? So Father God, I, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for Covenant Life Church, God, and what you're doing in this church. But Lord, I'm grateful that, that we follow a Savior that came with humility 
king, universe, creator, um, by his word, galaxies were formed. And Eddie came and walked on this earth and served and would even be willing to, to die to rescue us, God. And so, Lord, as we think and read and talk about that, Lord, change our hearts and cause us to be humble before you, God. We praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. The call to humility is found through the whole Bible from beginning to end. In fact, I think that Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they sinned because of a lack of humility. They wanted something that God did not intend for them. Um, a key passage is Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to hear that now. And I, I'm just going to, here's my little advertisement. I think it is good to listen to the word. And a lot of people are calling 2020 the year of the Bible. And I would encourage you to make it the year of the Bible for yourself. And I'm going through a, a, every day, day, well, most days, I listen to the reading from something called the public reading of Scripture. And there's other places you can hear it as well, but go on your phone or go on your computer, and you can listen to the Word. And I think it just changes the way you hear and take it in. So we'll hear the first few verses of chapter 2 of Philippians. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Those are profound words that describe the humility of Jesus Christ. Let me just put it. Christ was a perfect example of humility. And Jesus Christ revealed the character of God the Father. In fact, I think his main mission when he was on the earth was to brag about his Father. He says, if you knew my Father, you would understand the love he has for you. And um, remember in the upper room that last night before Jesus was crucified, they were talking, you know, a variety of different things. Jesus had washed their feet, and, and they were saying different things. And Philip said to him, he says, if you would show us the Father, we would be satisfied. And Jesus' response was, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been with you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me 
has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? That's pretty astounding. Because here's Jesus. He looks like a regular guy. And yet Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He displayed the perfection and, and the love and the compassion and the humility that his Father has. And he says, if you see me, you see the Father. I'm just, just like him. Obviously, he was in a human body, but the character you saw in Jesus Christ was the character of, of, of the Father. So <clears throat> I want to talk about two things for you before we leave here, the importance of humility and then how to grow in humility, just some practical thoughts about how, to, how do you grow in humility. And like I said earlier, humility, I think, is the basis of our relationship with God. And I know a lot of you people like to pray. Well, you wouldn't pray if it wasn't for humility. Basically, when you're praying, you're saying, God, I can't do this one myself. I need, I need help. So the very basis of why we pray is, is found in humility, that I'm saying I can't do it. I, I need help, God. So our relationship with God is really based on humility. If, if, if we wouldn't be humble, we wouldn't have a need for God. And I think a lot of times I think when we're looking at how to help people understand the gospel, a lot of times they have no interest. I mean, I think, and I keep on saying this often, that if you go to the campus and you tell them about Jesus Christ, a lot of people say, I really don't need him. I'm, I'm okay. And I think with pride, you think, I'm going to do okay. And, and a lot of the people that are students at the U of M, they know they're going to get a good job. They know they're going to be wealthy. Um, why do I need God in this thing? It seems like until a person becomes humble and understands their, their need for a Savior, the gospel doesn't even make sense to them. And I think God is calling us to, to find those people that God has gotten, his spirit has been working on and, under, and helping them understand that, oh, by the way, I do need a, a Savior. I do need help. I think we want to become more like Jesus. In fact, that's the will of God for our lives, to become more like Jesus. Well, if Jesus was humble, then it's our responsibility to find out how to become humble ourselves and become like Jesus. So becoming more like Jesus, humbleness is, is the thing you need to work on first. And then finally, like we talked about earlier about that wear and tear on our relationships. If we have humility as a body of believers, I think that, that helps us get along. I mean, even the scientific you know, studies have shown that, that Humility helps keep our bonds together. And um, I, I think you feel like family in this place. That's why you kind of come to church. You come to church to worship, but you come here because you're, there's family. Well, humility keeps that family together. If, if somebody is proud and kind of stepping on you, well, I don't know. I'm sure if I want to even be around that person. But humbleness, humility keeps us bonded together. So our relationship together as a body is really dependent upon humility. A friend of mine one time joked, and he says that he was thinking of writing a book, My Humility and How I Obtained It. Um, doesn't fly, does it? I mean, and he was joking, obviously. But we do need to think about how to grow in humility. I mean, um, if that is one of the key things about God's character, we need to be thinking about, well, then how do you grow in humility? How do you, how do you achieve more? Um, we are commanded to be humble. And therefore, with the Spirit's power and a, and a help, it, 
you've got to be possible. God wouldn't ask us to do something that you can't do without his help. And I, I think there's three principles from the Bible that I just want to quickly look at about how to grow in humility. <clears throat> Imitate Jesus and his followers. Um, in Philippians 2.5, which we just read or heard, and in, in Colossians, uh, Corinthians 11.1, 1, in Philippians 2, again, you heard that, just heard that verse a minute ago, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So as, as you're kind of looking at the Bible, it's good, I think, just to say, okay, what's God's character like? What, what did Jesus do? And how, how did he do things? So I think that we're all called to be students of the character of God and say, how did Jesus react? How did Jesus think? How did, how did he teach? What, what was in the mind of Christ? And then start imitating that and just saying, well, what kind of mindset did he have? And, and there's, if you just read through the Gospels, you can kind of see how he interacted with his disciples. And I don't know how I would handle this, but if you had a bunch of followers and you're going to your death and they kind of know it and they're still arguing about who's the best and who's the greatest in the kingdom, you would say, I give up. This crew is not on board with me. And yet Jesus gently washed their feet. In fact, when he washed feet, he washed the feet of Judas Iscariot. He was apparently still in the room when he washed feet. So here's Judas Iscariot. He knows he's going to betray him for 30 pieces of silver, and he washes feet. Isn't that amazing? The other thing that's interesting about Paul, you know, I said he's intense, driven, but he's humble, he likes you, he puts you first. But he also had the audacity of saying, copy me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, follow my example as I follow Christ. I think you can find humble people, humble leaders, like your pastors, and just say, you know what? When I see their character, and when I see how they treat me, Hey, you know what? I can copy that. When I saw how he or she, you know, responded to criticism or how they responded to something, hey, you know what? I'm going to copy that. I'm just going to hang around humble people. And in our world, you know, in our political world, in our sports world, and everything else, there's a whole bunch of people that are not humble. And in fact, it, it seems like it's almost an epidemic of, of, of pride that we have going on. But when you find a humble leader, that is putting people first. You're thinking, wow, that's a person I need to kind of hang out with and, and learn more about. Um, there's a book about at, that church leaders use as well about going from good to great by Jim Collins. And he makes mention of the fact that corporations that made a big change from going good to great and could maintain it while the leadership changed, the leader that caused that change was one that you probably didn't hear about. You didn't hear their name. Not like a Ian Musk, who I admire, but is, is peculiar in his pride. But these people that you didn't even hear about got a corporation or a church or a group to make a change from being good to great, but you didn't even know their name. They somehow got their people to do the work, and they didn't even take credit for it. So 
it's possible in, in the world, but it's also possible in the church to, to, to be like the leader and, and follow and, and, and lead yourself in humility. Another thing about growing in humility, have a correct view of yourself. In Romans 12, 3, and in James 1, 9, I'm going to give a couple examples here. And you probably know this one, Romans 12. I read it out of the NLT. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Um, pride was an issue back first century in Rome. And it's still a problem. And Paul says, don't think of yourself better than you really are. Have an accurate view of yourself. And then kind of tied to that, but in a very different way, in James um, chapter 1, he says, believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. Isn't that interesting? I think what, what James is saying here is that if you are kind of of a humble state in life, that you don't, you don't have much money, um, God still thinks you're incredible. God thinks you're awesome. And if you're rich and you've got cars and everything else, um, God's going to humble you. In fact, your riches don't add anything to your worth. God's only looking at who you are and how you love him and your faith in him. And so I think the, the humble of the world that are humble means God is saying to you, you are incredible. You've got a destiny. You've got a future. You're awesome. But to the, the people that have a lot of money, you know what? All that money doesn't make any difference. It doesn't change how much I love you. It doesn't make any difference in the eternity. And then one last thing, um, serve one another. I think when we practice serving, it actually helps us just grow in humility. And going back to when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, um, Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power, and they had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. I don't, that would have been an incredible place to be, to have Jesus wash your feet. I mean, they knew he was a son of God. Peter confessed that. They knew who he was. And there he was on his knees, washing their feet. I think that's why Peter said, don't do it, God. Don't do it, Lord. Um, I don't deserve that one. And then Jesus said, well, if I don't, you're not really part of this group. And then he says, wash all of me. And then Jesus said, only your feet need to be washed right now. But can you imagine Jesus stooping down and washing your feet? And I think if we do that kind of action to each other and just practice doing acts of service to one another, it will, it'll, it'll, I think, build humility in our lives. It's hard for me to put together a lot of big ideas in terms of who we are and who God is. And sometimes I, I'm just kind of baffled 
about what God says about us and in what we feel like we are. So in eternity, I think you and I are going to be so incredible. I mean, Paul tells us, when I mean, Jesus tells us that the future we have with God, we're going to be reigning and judging angels. I mean, I don't think you can understand how incredible you are. But at the same time, we don't bring anything to the table. God didn't need you, didn't need me. So here's this almost this kind of like contradiction that I can't understand that God is saying, you are incredible. You are, I, I died for you. I sought you. I, I, you are going to be my, my thing. I'm going to brag about for eternity, about what I did for you. Oh, and by the way, you don't actually bring anything to the table. I didn't need any of that. And so you have this kind of like, it's an antinomy that, you know, how do you put those two ideas together that I, I bring nothing that God needs, and yet he puts all this value on me and says, you're incredible, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treasure you forever. And we're going to abide for him with him forever. So I, I tell people all the time, you, are, you don't know how incredible you are. Oh, and by the way, there's nothing that you can be proud of. It's all God. One last story. Well, let me tell this next verse here. Jesus describes himself as lowly and humble. He says, come to me, all of you are weary. And I would say that to you. If you are weary and you're heavy laden and you might be working hard at school or job or church or whatever else, he says, if you are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Because I am, and let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The other day, somebody prayed for me and, and said that <clears throat> I might be bearing burdens that are actually not mine to bear. And if you're overburdened and you're thinking, oh, I can't do this one more day, maybe you took on a burden that Jesus did not intend. Because Jesus' burden is just right. I mean, it's like a yoke that fit that oxen, that fits just right. It just it was the right one for him. The same thing for you. I think that the burden that God has, and, and we have burdens. We should expect to work hard for the kingdom. But it should be a good one. It just feels right. That it feels good. This is, oh, this is just what I was made for. Just a quiz. What was the sermon about? Humility, right? Okay, keep that in mind. Okay. If, I, if you say it, I, you'll maybe remember, because preachers sometimes worry that, oh, shoot, next day they, don't, they forgot what I preached about. So anyways, don't want that to happen. One last story just to kind of nail home the um, that humility. How many people here know the name Warren Buffett? Oh, yeah. He's the guy, right, to kind of listen to for economic news and projection. Um, years ago, he's, he was, you know, people said, oh, you're so incredible, and how do you get this money to grow? And he says, well, actually, it's my managers. He says, I don't do much. Just my managers do it for me. And he says, I'm a little bit like my granddaughter, who was four years old, had a birthday party, and they got a clown to come in. 
and to do tricks, you know, kind of thing, you know. And the clown had um, a bunch of like um, red handkerchiefs that was put in the box, you know. And then the granddaughter would wave a wand over it, you know, and you pick them out, and they'd be green when they came out, you know, just whoa, you know. And she was just amazed. And he took the napkins and, and knotted them, you know, and threw them in the box. And he, she waved over them, and came back. They were unknotted, you know, and she was just amazed, you know. And she says, gee, I'm good at this. Um, and that's what Warren said. He says, I, I don't do it. It just, I wave the wand, and it just happens. And I think that's where you are as Christians. We can't do it, but God can. And when we do something, we pray for something, and it actually happens, it's all God. And if you see somebody healed, um, you didn't do that. You prayed for it, and you were the channel that God did. You waved the wand, and he did the work. So I would urge you, um, and even as maybe you have a quiet moment, I, I don't know how you transition to communion, but invite Pastor John to come up. But I would ask you just even have a, as you're, these last moments before you take communion to think about how lowly and humble Jesus was and how he washed the feet of those disciples that last supper night and how he tells us that we are incredible, that we're the love of his life. And at the same time, he's saying to us, oh, by the way, you needed rescuing. And you didn't, you didn't do anything to deserve this one. But out of passion. And for me, I, I'm growing more and more into the idea that God is like a bridegroom. And we are his bride. And those of you that are married or those of you that are in love with somebody, you get a better handle of, of what that means. But God is like a bridegroom that loves his bride. And he wants us to walk with him and talk with him, and to be with him forever. But he also knows that we're frail and we needed rescuing and we were in trouble. And, and he gladly, gladly came to rescue us. So let me pray and then just maybe have some quiet time. And um, if there's a burden that you've got on your shoulders right now that you need to let go and just say, God, that wasn't, this doesn't feel right. Would you take that burden? And that's what he wants to do. And if, if you're struggling with humility and thinking, God, I want to be more like Jesus, um, put that before him. That's exactly what he wants to do. Because it's his will that you and I become more and more like Jesus. Father God, I am so grateful that you didn't send this high and lofty king in robes and castles and so on to come and rescue us. But you came to rescue us as a baby born in a manger. I thank you, God, that, that Jesus came lowly and humble. And he says, um, that burden, it should be a good burden. It should be a light burden. And I thank you that you washed the feet of people that were proud and arguing about who's first and who's second. 
Lord, I thank you that you gave so many examples about how to be like you. And we thank you so much, Lord, for the, for the promise of eternity, that we are destined for eternity with you. And I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. But you're an infinite God, and you're going to be infinitely glorious and beautiful to learn about through all eternity. So thank you for your mercy and grace. In the name of Jesus. Amen.